Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today are two guests from Irvine, California. We have Jesenia Cornejo. Jesenia is Chief Compliance Officer for Bridge Diagnostics. And then joining us from Menlo Park, California, is Brittany Summers, who's Compliance Manager for Sprinter Health. First, Brittany and Jesenia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you you so much for having us. Glad to have you both. So you wrote a very interesting article for Compliance and Ethics Professional Magazine about auditing and monitoring, and that's what I was hoping we could talk about today. Now, auditing and monitoring are often dealt with as requirements of compliance program for their own sake, um, but it's important to note that they carry benefits that go far beyond saying you were doing them. Can you give us a brief recap of some of them, Jesenia? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the great news is that there's there's so many benefits that why would you not do it? Um, the first benefit would be measuring the effectiveness of your program. For those of us that have been in compliance for a while now, and for those that are kind of brand new to the compliance field, the compliance is tough to manage and maintain. So having an effective program really increases the likelihood of compliance within your organization, which we all know is very important. Um, so the, the so audits and monitoring can assess and measure the effectiveness of your program. There's also the benefit of identifying criminal or malicious conduct. This again, incredibly important because in certain instances, you're going to need to report that conduct to external agencies. It also allows you to evaluate if an individual does do something criminal or malicious, do you really want that individual working at your organization. There's also the benefit of highlighting risk areas. Risk areas vary across specialties and industries. So once you really get a handle of what risk area applies to my specialty and my industry, your organization can modify accordingly. There's also the benefit of accountability. It allows all to be on the same page on who is responsible for each process within your audit and monitoring program. This also allows for transparency within the organization. It's so important for the compliance department to be as transparent as possible to the other departments within the organization. There's also a continuous improvement aspect. You don't want your program to become stagnant. You always wanna improve, you wanna contribute to the business objectives. Additionally, government agencies like the DOJ or the OIG, they wanna see that organizations are consistently improving their compliance programs. Another benefit is uh, promoting collaboration. We want other departments to see compliance as partners versus adversaries to the business. This is should improve the relationships moving forward because we all know that we are all trying to work for the benefit of the organization. Additionally, it can create compliance champions in other departments. This is so incredibly valuable when there's a one to two person compliance team and that one to two person compliance team wants to promote compliance within the organization. Lastly, your efforts are going to be rewarded. If a regulatory agency like the DOJ or the OAG come knocking on your door, you want to show them that you have been performing these audits, you have been monitoring, and you can provide them examples of how you've improved the program based on the findings of the audit and the monitoring. 
There's also mention in uh, the DOJ's evaluation of corporate compliance programs document, that document, um, it mentions prosecutors asking three questions when evaluating a corporate compliance program. One of those questions is, does the corporation's compliance program work in practice? Your audits and your monitoring allow you to check in on what is working and what is not working. There's definitely a, a, a ton of benefits you've outlined there, but let me ask this as a follow-up. For an organization about to start on creating an auditing and monitoring program or, or even looking to update a current program, where should they start? I would highly recommend uh, creating some type of work plan, either an annual audit work plan or adding to your annual compliance work plan. This allows you to manage the goals and objectives for the year including scheduling and tracking your audits. Another nice bonus to that is you can review these work plans with your compliance committee, your board, your senior leadership, whatever applies to your organization. It gives those members of those committees or the board insight into compliance's responsibilities for the year. This is great because it can highlight constraints and the committee and the board and the leadership team can help with those constraints. Um, another option is identifying risk areas. So I mentioned that's a benefit to developing your audit and monitoring program. This is also where you can start. What are the risk areas that are applicable to your industry or your organization? What are the requirements that are applicable um, to your organization? I come from the lab space where there are regulatory and accreditation requirements that we have to abide by. And that's a great starting point. Um, you also want to define the scope of your audit. What should be your sample size? What should be your date range? This allows you to determine the resources and the time required to complete your audit. Another good idea is setting up an audit or creating an audit report template, which includes your purpose and your scope, your findings and your response to those findings or your deficiencies. Uh, this is great as you're performing the audit because when you're performing this audit, you're thinking about, okay, this could potentially be a significant finding. So how should I respond to this finding? Should I take immediate action or, sh or can this be delayed until I finish the, the overall audit? Um, another component is I'm actually going through, my organization is actually going through an internal effectiveness review of our program. And it's really bringing to light additional audits that we can do. And the nice thing about it is that we can either put these audits into place immediately, or we can defer them to a later time, whatever really works uh, within our organization. Um, I do want to mention you can always reevaluate these autumns. Your scope may change, your risk area may change, um, your work plans are likely going to change for year to year. So you're not stuck in whatever you started with. You can always reevaluate as you go. Well, and, and truthfully, you need to reevaluate because risk profiles do change, whether because of what's happened internally in your organization or changing enforcement priorities. Now, Brittany, um, what's the best way to make the process work but not take up too many resources? Because obviously, you know, the business people, for example, have a lot of other things they need to focus on. 
Sure. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to beginning the audit and monitoring process and kind of rolling out your program or continuing a program that's already been in place, we all have teams of different sizes. Um, some of us are teams of one, others have full departments um, and, and more resources. Um, but as Yesenia alluded to or mentioned earlier, when it comes to like creating your annual work plan, for example, and identifying the risk. This can also come from like a gap assessment or a risk assessment. I would start with identifying what those risks are and prioritizing them. Um, you know, there's there's a ton of risks out there and we all come in, you know, face different risks in the different industries that we are in. But, you know, we have to start somewhere. Um, what I would suggest is, you know, something is better than nothing. So don't wait until, you know, there's so much to do. I just don't know where to start. So I'm not going to start until I just have a full grasp on things because then that might never happen. So starting with, you know, the highest priority risks that you have and kind of diving into those um, and then refining it as you go, you know, maybe next year's audit can be a little bit larger of a scope depending on, you know, more resources that might become available. One thing that I have found very helpful is to spread out the different audits. So instead of, you know, one option would be to do one audit at the maybe an annual audit where everything is done once a year. Um, but something that is really helpful is breaking those up because they can be quarterly audits. They can be um, you know, audits that happen every six months or, you know, even every month, depending on how often the organization deems, you know, it should be monitored um, and, and certain processes checked. But by spreading them out, you are able to take on more of, you know, these these processes and perform these audits at like a um, you know, a more spread out frequency. And it's a little bit more digestible, a little bit more realistic, especially for those smaller teams that might not have, um, you know, I feel like we all feel like we don't have a ton of bandwidth. And a lot of times that is very much the case. Um, but by spreading them out, it has been a lot more manageable to cover more ground, essentially, with the audits that are being performed. Um, another way to kind of maximize um, the process, but not take up the resources is thinking about where you can automate. So, you know, there might be certain steps that are redundant or that are just very, very manual and maybe they don't need to be. So, you know, thinking about whether there might be any easy wins. Is there something that can be done electronically, maybe an acknowledgement or attestation um, that is easily tracked and, and gives you the documentation that you need to be able to support, um, you know, certain training being done or, you know, reviewing the code of conduct, whatever it may be, sometimes something as easy as switching, you know, up the physical signature or paper signature to an electronic one can give you that easy win and make your life a little bit easier uh, while automating. You know, you can get creative with the tools that are available to you. Um, so, you know, with these electronic acknowledgements, it could be like a Google form or an Adobe sign form, you know, it really just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and there are definitely tools available within organizations and then also vendors out there that specialize in some of these uh, processes and, and documentation of, of these types of results. Um, another thing you can do is, you know, take advantage of the team that you do have. So if you do have a team, you know, a compliance department or auditing department, um, and even if you don't, you can, kind of reach out to other team members, other departments, if bandwidth 
allows, um, and if, if that is something that is, um, you know, agreed upon by other team members as well. Um, and again, as Jacenia mentioned, the collaboration. So as you're going through this process, um, there's obviously a lot of data out there that you could collect, but not all of it is going to be as instructive as one would like. You know, some may just really be background noise. What data do you find is most valuable for auditing and monitoring? So I think that's really going to depend on the industry um, and what, uh, just you mentioned, like the requirements and, you know, if you're accredited by a certain accrediting agency, what are some of the standards that you need to meet? What is important, you know, either the risk areas identified by your organization and then also your industry as a whole. So the, the answer to that might be different for different industries and organizations. Um, but one thing, you know, training, training is really important, whether it's sign off and completion of harassment training, that's a state requirement that, you know, we all face um, and that we have to meet. We have codes of conduct and, and tracking some of that type of training and, and sign off. Um, I think also looking at different trends on, you know, kind of sticking with the theme of training, are the completion rates um, getting better? Are they getting worse? Are they kind of staying the same? If they're getting worse, that, you know, might prompt us to look into it and say, hey, what is happening here? Is something, you know, maybe not being communicated the same way that it used to be or not being uh, received the same way that it used to be? Um, and so I think, it, really, when it comes down to it, it, it'll depend on on what needs to be monitored and audited, and it, it goes back also to those risk areas for the organization and how they're prioritized. Yeah, something um, I want to add is don't be scared of the data. You know, what I've realized is sometimes we get scared of automation and analytics and data, and what does that all mean? And there's so much to look at, and oh my gosh, I'm getting overwhelmed. Um, just think of it as another process of improvement. And I think compliance professionals are really great at recognizing, okay, this could be um, a potential issue and this is how we're gonna correct it and prevent it from moving forward. So this is kind of the fun part when you're able to kind of identify, hey, this is something that I want to be more automated. Then you could, you know, think of ways to make that more automated and you can go as far with it as you want and you can make it a really valuable experience for yourself and for your team members and for your organization as well. And in the end, if it's not providing value, it's not worth doing and it's not, you're not going to get the support that you need for the program. Well, um, Brittany, Jasenia, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us here and, and also in the magazine. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Chirltaup from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <music>